does take it a second to load. All right, well, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're about halfway through our study in 2 Corinthians. We're starting in chapter 6, and this morning, uh, we read through this first couple of verses this morning, but I wanted to start again in verse 4. Um, and if anybody's interested in reading, I, I'll, I'll read this first bit, and we, I may call on you, Brother Tony, and Joe to read if y'all would like to. So starting, we huh? We love it. We love it. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, But in all, all things approving ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience and afflictions and in necessities and distresses and in stripes, and imprisonment and tumults and labors and watchings and in fastings by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, and by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, and as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet known, as dying and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. And as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, and our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but are straightened in your own bowels. Now for your recompense and the same, I speak to you as unto children, but ye also enlarged. But be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believed with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So, Paul was addressing the church here at Corinth. Um, again, addressing some of the afflictions and the things that they faced. He says, but in approving ourselves as a minister of God, in much patience and afflictions and necessities and in distresses. He goes on talking about the uh, being beaten with stripes and imprisoned and all of the the troubles that they faced in in, in their preaching and in their uh, journeying uh, to all the churches there in the area. And he goes on to talk about some of the things. He says, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and pain. He's listing off some of these things by the word of truth by the power of god by the armor of righteousness he goes on discussing some of these merits he says some of these uh, through the things that they've encountered he goes on as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live as chastened and not killed seems that he's going through here talking about the things that they've encountered whether good report or bad and going on there and um he says, as unknown and dying, behold, we yet live. What do you think he means about that? He's talking about, I think he's talking about dying in the flesh, but they're make, being made alive in Christ. 
And then he goes on there and he says, as chastened and not yet killed. What happened? What is what? What have we talked about in times past? Or we looked at in the scriptures that talks about chastening. It says the Lord chastened whom whom He loves. He says, "I'm not killed." So they weren't killed, but they were chastened. And he goes on. He says, "The sorrowful yet rejoicing is poor, yet making many rich, and have nothing, and yet possessing all things." So yet in the in the sorrows that they faced, they became joyful because they can find. Uh, joy in the Lord, even though they had the, they didn't have many things in their journeys. They felt rich because of the Lord providing for them, and the encouragement they received from the Lord's people. Same thing here. He was writing to the church at Corinth to you know for the encouragement, the comfort in there and the difficult times that they faced. And he goes on. He says, "Ye Corinthians, our mouth is open to you, and our heart is enlarged." What do you think he means by that? Receiving these, our hearts enlarge. He says, but you, he says, now for our recompense in the same, be ye also enlarged. So he's saying, you know, we've received you, receive us as well. And he tells them, he warns them there regarding being put together with unbelievers. Why do you think he warns them there about being put together with unbelievers? Because if you do, it leaves leaves an opportunity to be led off into false worship. That was the warning and uh, that that he wanted to uh, provide to the church there. He wanted them to be uh, avoid some of the things that he had encountered on his on his missionary journeys there. He says also he says what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness? He said there's nothing in common there. He says why. Why should the two be joined together? They shouldn't. Because it would, what? Would lead to corruption. He goes on there and he says, of course, what what Concord has crossed with Bilal, they have nothing in common or do they need to get together? She's meowing back there. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 10 and through 13. Brother Tony, if you'll like, if you read verse 10 for us. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Okay. Joe, read uh, 12 and 13 for us. Ephesians 5. Uh, Ephesians 5. I got a new Bible in these pages. <laughs> Five twelve. <laughs> oh, that new Bible fill. Those pages stick together. <laughs> okay. I got five and you say fourteen? Uh twelve. Twelve and thirteen. <clears throat> I would be that were cut off, which troubled you. Or brethren, 
ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And 14. Um, I think you're in the wrong page. Ephesians 5 and, tw- and 12. Ephesians, yeah. <laughs> You're starting to sound like me now. That's <laughs> it. Ephesians five and twelve. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Is that right? Yes. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by life. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is life. Wherefore, he said, Awaken thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. How far down? That, that was good. That's good. So just like Brother Tony read there in verse 10, he says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You mean proving? What is proving? Proving is trying something, isn't it? He says, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Why do you think that's that's necessary? Because you mix something together, it kind of waters it down, doesn't it? Like you put you put water in, in your soda and it tastes kind of yucky, doesn't it? It doesn't taste the same. So when you defile something, it... It corrupts it. It ruins it. So the point was is that Paul was trying to encourage the church of Ephesus here, just, just as he did over there at the church of Corinth, that these things, proving these things, looking at these things to find what's acceptable unto the Lord is looking at those things which are contrary to God's work and saying, does this, does this reconcile? Does this add up? And that's why we're to be given to studying the Scripture and encouraging one another is to keep these things from uh, from happening. The Lord gives us gives us this opportunity to be in the Lord's work, so that we can encourage one another and uplift one another, and even sometimes rebuke one another when it's necessary. So that's the encouragement there. He says these. He says no, have no uh, fellowship with that unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. He goes there, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So it's not, it's it's a shame. It's a shame to do those things which are which are done privately. What was the uh the common practice back in the day? We know that paganism was a was very, very common. Of course, Ephesus was one of the chief cities of the temp of worship of Diana, the goddess of love. So you know. There was a lot of iniquity going on in that city. A lot of uh, <clears throat> things that uh, would make make people blush. So the encouragement there was to stay away from those things because they're not fruitful. He says, but those things which are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You know, talking about shedding light, shedding light on the subject, you know, is a phrase that we commonly use. And the reason why that is is because the things which are done to 
like we were talking about earlier about manipulating facts or things like that 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 can that can misconstrue somebody coming to a uh, discerning the truth from falsehood is that when you shine a light on something when you provide a testimony towards something and several witnesses do it opens up and makes things clearer doesn't it so that's the reason why he was saying here he says don't he says basically shed shed light on the subject this things will these things will be revealed let's look back over at uh first corinthians chapter three first corinthians chapter three verses nine through fourteen so that'll read two apiece. I'll start us off in verse 9. I'll read 9 and 10. And then Brother Tony, you'll take on 10, um, 11 and 12. And then Joe, you can read 13 and 14. So I'll start us off here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God, and ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay them that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if that man any now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. My turn. Yes. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, for the fire shall try every man's work, and what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. How far do you want me to go? That was perfect. So you see here that what what he's writing to them is regarding their labor in the Lord. He says, "We have labors together. We are labors together with God. You're God's husbandry, and you're God's building." So we, that goes hand in hand with talking about Jesus as the vine, and we are the branches, uh, and we produce what we produce forth that fruit. So we're the we're the labors. We're the ones that are vessels for the Lord's service, which we've talked about in a couple of sermons ago. Um, he says uh, that we're we're God's building, so we're we're to accomplish God's purpose. He says, according to the grace given to God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation; another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereof. So he talks about being careful how we build upon. The foundation of Christ. He goes on there discussing to those verses that what a man lays on there will be tested as by fire. He says some will be their works will be made manifest there. He says if a man's work abide which he has built thereupon he shall receive a reward. So what's the encouragement there? The encouragement there is just like we were reading over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
is for what? We're, we're to be doing the work of God. And the encouragement there is for us to build properly. Kind of what we talked about this morning a little bit, isn't it? Being careful how we do things, how we participate in the things of this world, and being careful what we put our stamp of approval on. Some of those things are, for lack of a better word, are subpar building material. It may not may not last, will they? <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but if I go and buy an off-brand something just to save a few dollars, so most of the time you end up going back to the store to buy the, something of a better quality because it doesn't last. I learned that with that door handle I bought a couple months ago. <laughs> Poor brother Tony and Joe were trying to help me get that door off the parsonage a couple weeks ago. And... I, I I bought the subpar building material, so there that's why I ended up having to get the doorknob pulled off and replaced. So that was a lesson to me. But seeing the lesson of the Lord there is be careful, be careful how we build we build up ourselves on the foundation with Christ, which Christ has laid. The works here that were made manifest to the church at Corinth is they were having difficulties and struggles, and Paul wanted to encourage them uh, regarding their labor in the Lord that they be careful and attentive to listen to what the Lord through, through his messengers would have them do. He goes on, verse 15 says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Sometimes I, you think of that fire as being metaphorical. We talk about trial by fire in our in our lives. Well, trial by fire can typically be that we go through something very difficult and it tests the quality of our faith, doesn't it? But the encouragement there is for us to not lose hope, for us to place our trust in the Lord. Part of that is, is being careful what we participate in, like you talked about over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Because why? If we put ourselves together with something of unrighteousness, things of this world, what happens? We 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 degrade the quality of our, our work of the Lord's work, don't we? And what does the Lord require of us? He requires for us to look to Him for our guidance and for our understanding through the Spirit in the body of Christ. So these things are good for our admonition and for our service to the Lord. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. There's first verse chapter 5 verse 1 through 10. So we can probably split that up into about what Three verses apiece. Okay. I'll start us off there in verse one. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every one, or to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is of no effect unto you whosoever 
of you who are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Amen. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. It says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. If I haven't said this already, you guys are welcome. Don't you you're welcome to call me if you've got anything. So um But one of the things you see here in this particular passage of scripture here from verses one through ten, he says, Stand fast. What does that mean? He says, Stand fast. Stand firm. Don't don't give up. Well, you've got to have a made-up mind. I mean, if you're serving God, mm-hmm. you know what the Word says. you got to just pass evil and keep going. Absolutely. Don't, don't go by the wayside. And, you know, part of that is he, t- he tells them, he says, come together. He says, "Assemble, assemble together, doesn't he?" Because without that, without that encouragement together, uh, the further we are, the the more we, uh, I hate to say it, for lack of a better word, but the more we skip out on service, or the more we miss service, it's easier for us not to come back, isn't it? Uh, we were talking about that this morning. Uh, Sister Jean had mentioned that there was a news report about churches were getting smaller because of COVID. That people are people have got out of service, so they're not coming back to church well that's the point of coming together is for that encouragement to continue to hold fast paul's encouragement here was that they not give up these things he says uh, stand ask therefore their fa- uh, therefore in the liberty with wherewith christ hath made us free be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage i, I feel like i i've repeated this but what did it? What did it? Uh, that the people of Israel were saying in the Exodus when they left Egypt, they're like, "Take us back. Let's go back to Egypt where we had safety and we had food and we had shelter," because they were out there against the harsh elements. But what they failed to realize in their murmuring was that God was providing for them. Same thing with us. We have to be careful not not to go back to spiritual Egypt. The encouragement here is to stand fast because if we go back and get entangled in that that yoke of bondage it's hard to get out of, it's hard to get out of bondage isn't it the most the most of the time in this present day what we what we can equate with that is entering into a contract for business entering into a, a, like for instance taking on a job where you have to sign a contract where you have to fulfill so much and you have terms terms of your contract if you violate the terms of your contract, what happens? You have to pay up, don't you? <laughs> um, same thing with, with schooling. Most people don't understand this, but with any kind of debt, you bear that burden, don't you? It's hard to get out of bondage. So the best way not to do that is to put yourself under bondage. But the only kind of bondage that is different than any than the, it's different than the world's definition of bondage is life of serving Christ. 
He says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. What's he telling them? You don't need to be circumcised because it's not it's it's only profit to the flesh. It's a it was a seal of the old covenant. And it's not the exercising of your uh, of it's what is that under the new covenant? It's not exercising your faith, is it? It holds little value. He says, The man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So again, you've that circumcision, if you physically embark on that, you become a debt a debtor to the whole law. It's pretty much stressing the fact that we can't work our way into this. this is, Amen. You know, this is, uh, Amen. Something that's only uh, given to us. Amen. Right. Only by faith, right? By faith. And what does it say about faith? It produces love. It produces, and it, and it produces those fruits, doesn't it? Yes. So it requires a lot of giving up of ourselves and relying on what on God relying on, on, on Christ thank you for that brother Tony it was very very well said it says Christ has become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law you are fallen from grace so he's like okay you're gonna you're gonna take up this it's gonna Christ is gonna be of no effect I don't know about y'all but Without Christ, that law looks pretty bleak, doesn't it? You, you know, you know the saying: "You live by the sword, you die by the sword." Well, the same thing with the law. If you if you don't fulfill the law, you're going to die by the law. He says, "For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith." There's that what you were talking about, brother Tony. Through the Spirit, wait of the hope of righteousness by faith. Again, it talks that we talked about um, in weeks previous about the faith of Abraham. Wasn't that Abraham was righteous, but his by, by his faith, the Lord reckoned it as righteousness, didn't he? Scripture also says, in the flesh it is impossible to please God. You're like, well, that doesn't paint a lot of hope, preacher. Absolutely, it, it, it absolutely does because it shows that we can't save ourselves. <laughs> Shows that we have to rely on the Lord. He goes on there and says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but the faith which, work, which worketh by love. There you go. But faith which worketh by love. He goes on to tell him, he says, You, you did run well. Who hindered you from doing that you should not obey the truth. It's like, okay, what happened? <laughs> you were doing this. You were moving along nicely. And he says, all of a sudden, you just, you just stopped. What, what, what's caused you to, to, to not do this? He says, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. He says, this didn't come from the one who called you through Christ. But this influence is from the world, from outside influence, from those Jews that are seeking to put them under bondage. Just like the, the we talked about with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What, what was it that they had to do? They had to remove all of the leaven, all the corruption that would corrupt their bread from the house to make the unleavened bread. And that required a pretty thorough cleaning. <clears throat> you had to remove all leaven from the house, do a thorough cleaning. I 
find it interesting that, uh, uh, as an aside, a aside, little bit of a side chuckle, is that it happened during the spring. So they did their spring cleaning. <laughs> There's my joke for the day. <laughs> so the point of intention was is that remove themselves from that influence, that negative influence, the influence of the world, because it only produces what? produces the world, doesn't it? More worldly actions. So that was the encouragement there, was for them to remove themselves from that, not not to get started in, in the yoke of bondage in the first place and go under circumcision and partake of those things because it would lead to what? It would lead to the ruin of the hero, wouldn't it? The one that participated in it. Any questions or comments on that? Jude, let's look at Jude. Jude, we'll start in verse 20 there and read down through 25, so there's enough for us to read. Um, I'll read, I'll start there in 20, I'll read 20, and then Tony, if you read 21 and 22. Says, uh, but ye beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And though some have compassion, making a difference. Amen. And others stay with fear, pulling your mouth as a fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God and our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. So, it starts off there where we started reading. He says, But ye, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. He says, building yourself up in the most holy faith. Not to keep waxing in, on, on construction, but it seems to be the common theme that he uses there about building things. He was, after all, he was a tent maker. So, um, but he says there, building yourself up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy, in the holy Ghost. Why do you think that was important? The Holy, uh, Holy Ghost is a comforter, right? The comforter, the teacher, counselor. If we're looking to the Lord to build us up, again, we're trying to build ourselves up in the flesh. We're not going to get anywhere, are we? But relying on the Lord, investing and spending time and studying the Scripture and praying for His guidance is what allows us to be built up, isn't it? Well, about y'all, but coming together on, on Sundays and any other time we get together, speaking words of encouragement to keep coming. I know Brother Tony said this to me several times. He says, I hope you're not getting discouraged. He says, there's so few of us here. And I'm like, no, it's not. I said, it's encouraging that we come together every Sunday, despite what we have going on in our lives, because this is where we want to be. We know that this is an important part of our service to the Lord is coming together to encourage one another. It's like going to the gas station and fueling up. 
you know, it may be expensive right now, but it's still worth it to get you from point A to point B, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hasn't slowed down, slow down the driving at all, has it? <laughs> no. It's out of necessity that we do it, right? So coming together, we come together and, and as a corporate body to worship. It's that time we fill, we fill up with the Lord's goodness, right? To get us through the week so that we might encourage others and speak to others out in the world that say hey you know what we've got we've got the best kind of fuel there is in life i apologize i'm punny y'all i always have some kind of funny remark so y'all bear with me it says keep yourselves in the love of god looking for the mercy of the lord jesus christ into eternal life keep yourself how do you keep yourself in the love of god maintain that fellowship right We've chosen to, to come forward and be baptized and become a part of the body of Christ here. So then as we participate in these things, keeping ourselves, for lack of a better word, fueled up and looking to the Lord, he's the one that provides us with what? the it says looking for the mercy of our Lord, looking for the favor of, uh, the favor of, our, of our God. He says, if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Having compassion on one another. Didn't Christ have compassion on us? Look, if we're looking to the Lord, we have compassion on others as well. Being moved to encourage them he says it says some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of fire what is fear reverence and awe of the lord this is pulling them out of the fire so when someone is slipping what's what's the point for us to be our our point is to step in and intercede with them and help them out of that difficulty isn't it we see someone turning down the wrong Amen. And I, and I would hope that if, and I would hope if we, we do recognize that when that's happening. And that can be just from an encouraging, even in this current age, just an encouraging text to remind somebody that, hey, you do matter. Or, hey, hey, <laughs> we missed you today, you know. Because when we miss one person, it feels different, doesn't it? It just doesn't feel the same. It's because we're a bit building fitly joined together. We're supposed to be. And hating, it says there, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We see those difficulties we're facing, just, just stepping in to help them makes that difference. Because we don't want the flesh to come back in and creep in and put us under bondage, right? He says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with ex exceeding joy to the one and only wise God of our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Verse 24 presents an interesting, an interesting tidbit. He says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling... 
and to present you faultless before the presence of God. We've talked about this. Christ is our covering for our sins. The point is, is when we entered into fellowship with Christ through baptism, we laid down the old man and the practice of sinning. Doesn't mean sin still doesn't exist, but the practice of sin should cease or a perpetual carrying out of that sin. The point is, is that we put ourselves down daily, our old man down daily, and we look to Christ because he's the only one that is able to keep us from falling. That when, when this time comes, when he comes back to establish his kingdom, what is it? That he will... What? Present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I don't know y'all, but that makes me feel pretty good that we have an advocate, a mediator that will go for us to cover our sins. Because if I had to stand before God without Christ, I'd be pretty scared. But that's exactly what those folks had to do in the Old Testament with their offerings. One of the things that that was, I remember as a child in Sunday school, us reading the account of the priest going before to offer a sacrifice. And if they didn't offer it correctly, what happened? They had a string tied to them of sorts so that if that offering wasn't pleasing, guess what happens? They died. They died. And it was known throughout the whole land that their unrighteousness was upon him, right? Folks, that ought to, that ought to scare us, uh, uh, pardon the pun, that ought to scare us straight. <laughs> so the encouragement here is that we keep building up in the holy faith. Who is it that provides that? Jesus does. It's not from us. But what does he tell us? In Colossians chapter 3, what does he tell us? Intently focus your Gaze above, right? We take our eyes off the prize. Y'all have heard me talk about Brother Gary Smith talking about keeping it between the keeping it in the furrow. His dad would be out there and fuss at him about keeping the mule between the furrows so they could plow straight lines. He said, You don't look back behind you, you look at that post in front of you, and that'll keep you centered so you get a straight line. And it, he Gary said it was no difficult task. He and Brent got in trouble a lot, I think probably for that I can't speak for him but but I've heard that story enough and heard him talk about it that takes you back there every time you, you that I talk about it so that the, the the expectation is there for for us to keep our eyes and our and our service intently focused on Christ let's go back over to second Corinthians chapter 6. So again, looking at this, when you read this particular uh, passage of Scripture now, after having looked through those other places, it kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? He says that the purpose of this was to encourage them to continue going, to avoid this uh, this idolatry or false worship, or to be pulled back into uh, Old Testament Judaism practices of the law. He says... Don't get mixed up in these things. And he goes on there down at the end. He says, 
And what uh, he says, Wherefore come out of you from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Old Testament practice was that if they had an issue of blood, if they had dealt with a, a dead corpse, um, there were a number of other things. If they had leprosy, they had to separate themselves for a time and go through a, present themselves to the priest and have a ritual cleansing process, right? We talked about that previously. So the point was is to separate yourselves to set your part self apart for service to the Lord. That's what the priests did. We're supposed to do set themselves apart for service to the Lord. Scripture talks about in the New Testament that we are what we are to be a nation of kings and priests, aren't we? Setting ourselves apart to do the service of the Lord. So if we go back and commingle with the things that we come out of, what happens? We're defiled. So he says, as the Lord's people, we're supposed to separate ourselves out. How do we do that and still work, live in the world, you might ask? Well, how we do that? We separate ourselves unto serving the Lord. Remove the leaven from our homes, so to speak, the things that corrupt us, the influences, the former practices that we held before we come into serving the Lord. All that will be good, but the most important thing is submitting ourselves to the one true and living God through Christ. Because we have no hope outside of Christ. And it's by what? That, by that faith that produceth love, right? What we read over there. He goes on there and he says, and will be the fa- and, I, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So he's teaching and encouraging the church of Corinth through these letters on how that they're how not to get involved in these things that they did because it's only going to cause them greater problems. How did he know that? How did Paul know that? He saw it happen. Not only that, but he was a student in the Old Testament. So he understood by the reading of the law and reading of those Old Testament accounts what the people of Israel went through to that to, to the present time. And through his reasoning and his spirit, he was trying to encourage them not to not to forsake and give up what had they had accomplished to that point. But rather to take hold of this and not let go. And it seems like if you look at this to the to the present that we've read through First Corinthians up to this point, you can see based on his teaching there the change that seems to have occurred in the church at Corinth, right? Because Paul's desire was that they still they they endure until the end. Any questions or comments? Parting shots. <laughs> well, if nothing else, then we'll stand to be dismissed. Thank you for your kind attention.